you're in the middle of the NBA offseason, yet there's a lot going on. You know, you think of the offseason as a time for it to be calmer. But this week, just one week ago, trades became official. On last Wednesday, we saw the NBA draft. And then this past weekend, we saw free agency start. It's a crazy time in the NBA. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Cut to the chase. I'm your host, Chase Williams, and alongside me today will be Cooper Goble in just one second, good friend of mine. But I, I'm i really excited to say that Cut to the Chase is back. You know, we've had a little bit of a short break, and I would expect that to happen off and on right now as we're getting into the holidays, getting into what is my college final schedule. But today... I'm taking a break from all of that. I'm excited to talk some basketball. You all know I love basketball. And just after this short break, you're going to hear from Cooper and I and our thoughts on everything going on this season. Welcome back into Cuts to the Chase. Again, I am your host, Chase Williams. As I mentioned just a few moments ago, alongside me today, good friend Cooper Goble. How are you today, Mr. Goble? I'm good, man. How are you? You know, I can't complain. I can't complain. We got lots going on the NBA offseason, of course, our main topic. So let's hop right into it. I'm going to start off with the NBA draft, you know, just a little bit under a week ago. Who were your surprises in the draft overall, whether it was what a team did or a player that got picked too early? Just what was your overall top surprise or two from this draft? I'd say my biggest surprise was no teams really traded around in the lottery. There were a lot of reports that was going to trade down or Minnesota was going to trade down. Everyone stayed in like late first round little trades. And I I do agree. Um, I think that was something very much I hyped up in my draft previews that we would see lots of trades, and there just there there were no trades. There was literally it felt like nothing. I said to a few of my friends. It's a very boring draft so far. Why do you think the trades just did not happen? Well, I just, I mean, like, for example, you have Zion and John Morant as your top two guys. I feel like in this class, you've got some players with good that any team is, like, dying to trade up for. So trading back was going to be hard in this class because you weren't going to get for a top three pick. I think that's a fair choice. I also think I think the biggest reason there was no trade is because it really was surrounded kind of by the Warriors, the hype with the Warriors. You know, people talked about the Timberwolves were potentially going to trade the number one pick, but I think that was a bunch of BS. But I really felt like Golden State was looking to move mm-hmm. um, their pick, and I think they got a little bit worried, especially with the news that Clay Thompson, again, likely out of the year, hopefully – Hopefully he comes back healthy, but he he was out. So I think at that point, the Warriors decided they were going to keep their pick and really try to decide. And I think potentially both Anthony Edwards, even though he ended up getting taken before their pick and the metal ball became very serious options with the fact that they lost Clay Thompson. I think they took the best pick in James Wiseman, but I think also because the Warriors didn't do anything, that kind of set the tone because we kind of expected them to do that. But I want to swing over, you know, with the drafts going on, there's some guys where we can see there are certain teams that you know they have certain holes they need to fill, like the Warriors. Really, we knew they were leaning towards a big man, even though they started to have a little bit of a hole in the backcourt with the fact that Clay Thompson is missing what looks like to be another whole year. 
So who would you say fits really, really well on their team right now? Um, it was more of a late first-round pick, but he's pick of a precious Chi, I think is how you say it. I feel like he fits in perfectly with Miami. As a Heat fan, I can't disagree <laughs> there. You know, I I love the guy so much. Um, just out of the pick. I mean, obviously, I wasn't some huge precious Chua fan in college, <laughs> but Miami needed that big man that can play next to Bam, be energetic, especially with the fact that they end up losing Jay Crowder in free agency, which he'll be missed. But I think. I think the pick I really like here is it happened after a bunch of trades, actually. But the pick I'm going with, and this is a little bit unique because I don't know how well he fits into their system right now, but it's RJ Hampton, originally drafted by the Bucks, then got traded to the Nuggets. Or, correction, he ended up on the Nuggets after first being traded to the Pelicans. And, you know, both both the, the teams, if he ended up on any of those teams, honestly, I'm not sure how much he really would play because they all are very deep teams, either with the Pelicans and the fact that they have a lot of young talent. Also with the Timber, uh, not the Timberwolves, excuse me, the Pelicans. And then we have the Bucks who want to compete for a championship. But the fact that he ended up on the Nuggets, you know, we've seen them really build some star players. You know, Michael Porter Jr., was kind of similar to him a few years ago where he dropped back in the draft, a little bit of a risk. The Nuggets ended up with him, and now we're seeing Michael Porter Jr. do really good things. Or Bull Bull, I mean, obviously we haven't seen a ton out of him yet, but you see the Nuggets working on him. Jamal Murray, of course, has been great. He was drafted by the Nuggets. Jokic has been great. Again, the Nuggets, I think he fits the fact that he's someone who could be a star in this league. He fell back and it makes sense that the Nuggets ended up with him. So he's who I really like, even though I'm not sure he fits Denver's system perfectly. I just think he's the type of guy Denver needed to draft here just because that's it's what they do best. And I think, uh, especially with the fact that he was a hyped up pick about a year ago, people expected him in the top five. But I'm curious who fell like RJ Hampton has throughout the year but who fell that was supposed to go higher that kind of surprised you on draft night? Well, I feel like we all knew the top three were going to be Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball. And four, or from pick four with Chicago after that, um, it was kind of a toss-up. And two names that I was kind of ex- or thinking could go four or five being uh, Denny Avdia and Obi and both fell uh, almost out of the top ten entirely when I was expecting them to get four through six, which isn't a huge fall, but it's definitely a drop off from one up towards the draft. It, it very much is a drop off. I mean, just a few picks can be huge, especially with the fact that people were really hyping up Denny into this draft. And of course on my draft preview podcast, Good friend Kyle Bauer said himself that he thought Denny would fall and was correct. Why do you think both Toppin and Denny fell to eight and nine, respectively? respectively? Well, Toppin, I feel like the biggest reason is his age and the NBA draft. Um, if you come out of it as like a junior or senior, you're going to fall because teams just see your power. And I feel like with mm-hmm. Denny, um, I I feel like teams still kind of see European players just as lesser than the American players for whatever reason. Um, 
a lot of teams have swung on or swung and missed big in the past um, with guys like uh, or he went to Toronto first overall a few years ago. When um, he bounced around the league, for, are you talking about Bariani? Yeah, I was. I was almost a um, Gallinari, but I knew that wasn't right. But like, yeah, guys like him, top three, it hasn't panned out. But then you have guys like Luca, who I think are gonna probably a top fifteen player all time, also foreign. So it definitely is tough. I think with the facts that Luca was drafted just a few years ago, it makes it it it, it really built up the hype in in the media. But clearly, we saw what seemed to be the scouting scouts decide that he just was not worth that top five pick. People thought maybe Avia was mm-hmm. worth. I think my biggest surprise has to be that Tyrese Halliburton fell all the way down to 12th with the Kings. And it's, I know he kind of was a little bit all over the place throughout the year. Some teams had him as high as four. Some people had him lower towards 12 where he was drafted. But part of the re- I'm surprised that he fell. I'm also surprised it was the Kings to pick him up with the facts. I don't know if they plan on playing him besides De'Aaron Fox with the fact that I think most people think Buddy Heald will be moved by at least, I would say, the trade deadline. I don't think we're looking at a preseason move at this point unless they get something they really like. But he just does not fit what the Kings need right now. So I was kind of surprised by that, especially with just a few days after they give Fox the, the rookie max extension, which I would say is pretty deserved, especially since Jamal Murray got it. You know, both of them, I think, are very similar, where they're very, very good point guards, not quite at the going to be all-stars every single season point guards yet, but could possibly get there. And so it's just that was my surprise pick. And I don't understand it, but I'm not against it. I am a Halliburton fan. I, of course, was born in Sacramento, so I cannot hate the Kings so I'll be interested to see what happens. But I'm, I'm going to ask you in a second who you think will win Rookie of the Year in this class. But, of course, I know you're a big Bulls fan. <laughs> I think a lot of people are kind of scratching their head on the Patrick Williams trade, even though I kind of was not surprised it happened at all. I heard a lot of hype about him. He played well at Florida State. I think he's a surefire going to be a good player in the NBA. He may not be an all-star ever, but I think he'll always be a solid player and could be a glue guy, a really big glue guy, role player, component for a contending team. What is your opinions on Chicago drafting Patrick Williams at four? Whenever I saw the pick, I was definitely surprised. Uh, I was watching a live stream that was a little bit So I was... Shout out Kenny. Shout out King, King of the Fourth. Um, but all the comments were, and I wasn't keeping up to date. I wanted it like the live reaction. Um, and every, the pick had already been announced that it was Patrick Williams, but I saw all of these L comments and everything. So I thought it was OB Toppin. So I'm very glad it's not OB Toppin. No disrespect to OB. Um, I just, I'm worried about his age and I don't think he'd be a great fit for the team. But Patrick himself, I like as a player, but I don't love him at four. I pref- I would have preferred Denny Avdia or Killian Hayes. The four and uh, they both ended up falling a decent uh, decent ways. I'm curious if the Bulls could have 
potentially traded back to two to four or five picks back. So they're somewhere six through ten. Um, and then drafted Patrick Williams and got another pick for the future or got a win-now player. How would you have felt about that? Would you have been happy with that? Or do you just wish they went a different route at number four? Trade back would have been good. Um, but I don't know if Patrick really would have been there because a lot of or he was flying up draft boards, basically draft night. He was. Um, he flew up late. I remember around the time when the college season got canceled, he was like mid first round prospect, and now he's taken fourth over. He's definitely a guy who was flown up draft boards. I would, for like a legitimate reason. I like the tape I've seen on the guy, but <laughs> this draft, I'm... I I respect that. I definitely feel like if they traded back, they needed to trade with the Hornets or maybe the Pistons, just because I think if they went too much further, there was no chance at Patrick Williams. But I think even if they didn't get Patrick Williams, they could have traded back and still got either Advia, Ad, Advia, or Hayes. And so, you know, I, I am, I think looking back on it with 2020 vision, you can say maybe they should have traded back, but they, they didn't. And that is what it is. Either way, you know, I think you can't hate this Bulls pick. As I said, I think he'll be a good player. I don't know if he'll be the future of the Bulls franchise. Um, I just also don't know what the future of the Bulls franchise will be at this point. But to move on, who is your projected rookie of the year with how? this draft came out. I, I don't see it being Edwards or Wiseman because with Carl Anthony Towns and Steph Curry, they're going to get the number to get it. But if LaMelo Ball can have a good... There's no one on that Hornets team that's taking shots away from him. I could see LaMelo putting up big numbers and getting a rookie of the year just because the other top prospects are on pretty or have pretty great players on their team already. That's exactly who I feel like. LaMelo is the first one that screams out to me. Um, I mean, they have a lot of weird players. I mean, Terry, there are people that will take shots away from him but shouldn't, like Terry Rozier, Malik Monk. Um, but I do think... <laughs> I think Lamelo probably fits well it, as likely rookie of the year. Or the other thing I could see is honestly a really random player that nobody expects, similar to when Patrick Carter Williams won rookie of the year. No one really expected him to come out and win rookie of the year, yet he did. So that is something we could see. But next, I, I want to kind of turn over to the trade market. You know, that started just about a week ago, and right away we got a few trades, like Dennis Schroeder ending up on the Lakers. What is your opinion on that? That's a great pickup for the Lakers. Well, wasn't he sixth man of the year this past season? He was flirting with contention. The Lakers did pick up the sixth man of the year, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but not Schroeder was right. not it. Schroeder is a great pickup for the Lakers. Um, they, what, only gave up Danny Green and maybe a second or something like that? <laughs> yeah, they gave up Danny Green and a future pick that I don't think matters too That's much. A, I mean, 
hated on hated on Danny Green. Danny Green's a solid player. Dennis Schroeder is a very big upgrade, though, in my opinion. I I can't disagree there. I think Schroeder he just adds more of a scoring punch off the bench, which is exactly what we've seen the Lakers really do throughout this whole offseason is pick up exactly what they need. And I think the one thing they're lacking is they had a really good second unit, but I think they have one guy that you can just expect to come off the bench and drop around 15 points a night, honestly. And you mentioned that he was traded for Danny Green, who later Danny Green was traded then from the Thunder to Philadelphia for Al Horford. How do you like that deal for both Philadelphia and Oklahoma City? Um, when Al Horford was in Atlanta, I was a huge fan. He's just one of those players. And maybe in the stat sheet, he doesn't, he doesn't I mean, he shows up, but he's like a LeBron or an Anthony. But he did not fit whatsoever. That was just hard for them. So I feel like, and Danny Green with being, um, a good shooter, bring some good defense to the team. I think it's addition by subtraction for the Sixers while being a good player that fits uh, ben, uh, Joel Embiid pretty well with a good shooter on the wing. That is true. They uh, The Sixers need to focus on shooting, and that's exactly what they did. Do you think the Thunder hold on to Horford, or do you think they try to flip him? I mean, if they flip them, like, let's say first-rounder somehow. Um, no disrespect to Al Horford, just based off his contract. I don't know how they do that. But who would they even have on the team then, <laughs> other than Shea? Like, I feel like they've got, like, four players on the roster and 50 future first-round picks. So I feel like they've got to keep them, and I don't know who they could, who or what they could flip that salary for. Um. I, I completely agree. I think I've thought that I said this recently to one of my other friends, but I feel like the Thunder are over rebuilding right now. They're doing too much in the rebuilding. And I think especially if they trade Horford, just because they won't get the talent that they would want slash kind of deserve. Because Al Horford is a great player. I think probably a lot of teams could use him, but with the contract and his production with the Sixers, it's going to be hard to do. So I was surprised about that. And speaking of over-rebuilding and, and the Thunder, Stephen Adams ends up on the Pelicans. What are your opinions on that? Um, I think any team that's playing the Pelicans with Zion and Stephen Adams are going to get rocked by any screen that's set, which <laughs> I feel like is uh, something teams are going to have to look out for. But I don't know. I feel like Stephen Adams is a pretty solid uh, and obviously the Thunder, even more draft picks, which seems like they're addicted to at this point. So I feel like the Thunder got what they want. The Pelicans got a solid addition. It, it, I agree with that. I, I like Steven Adams of, as a player. I think he'll be a great locker room presence. But this one still confuses me a little bit because I feel like next is Zion. They wanted a center that can spread the floor. And that's not Steven Adams. So I'm a little bit confused about that. I like Steven Adams as a player. I'm just kind of confused what the Pelicans are doing here because I feel like they're going to struggle playing together. And I'll be curious what happens of that. But now let's move on to 
um, a team that we knew was going to make moves. The Thunder were one of those teams we thought would make moves this offseason. The Bucks are the other. We thought maybe they would make a move together and send CP3 to Milwaukee. That did not happen. Instead, we're going to bring in the Pelicans once again, who traded Drew Holiday to Milwaukee, which is, I think, no one's going to say is a bad pickup. But what's what's your opinion? How does this help Milwaukee convince Giannis to stay? Does it? Does it depend on what happens this season? How does this change the landscape in the Eastern Conference? Drew Holiday is obviously a great player. And I like his fit next to Giannis because Giannis is a great player. But you saw again in the Miami series where they just kind of ran a wall on defense. Couldn't penetrate. Having someone like Drew handle the ball and everything is great for um, and I, I think it does help convince Giannis to stay or to stay, but I that move alone isn't enough in my opinion. Interesting. Do you think there's at least a chance it convinces Giannis to sign this massive extension and try it out, or do you think it's just still that he's gone if he wants to be gone? It's, I don't know, it's tricky because there's been a lot of players throughout NBA history, like LeBron in Cleveland, his first stint, I thought he'd never leave. I feel the same way about Giannis. I think he'll resign. But other than this Drew Holiday trade, and I guess re-signing Chris Middleton, what have the Bucks really shown him to like say, like, yeah, we can put an elite team around you? I I can't I can't agree anymore. I obviously as a Heat fan really do not want Giannis in Milwaukee. I think he should end up in Miami. Or I don't know if he will. I just I feel like there's I don't <laughs> think Chicago is a smart decision for him. But I do think I think you know the teams they've talked about minus Golden State because I'm tired of Golden State getting the best players on the market but I think the fact that Toronto is another big place they've talked about him possibly going I just like both of those options better than the idea of him being in Milwaukee I also was not I the only way I was a huge fan of him being Milwaukee and I wouldn't even say I was a huge fan the only way it's content with him staying in Milwaukee is if they traded for Chris Paul obviously that did not happen instead Chris Paul ended up on the Suns which I love I also predicted the Suns would either trade for Paul or Westbrook. I think that was kind of obvious. They end up with Chris Paul. How do you feel about the Suns? How do you feel about this trade? Are the Suns legit contenders for at least the playoffs? I would not say they're legit contenders in the West, but are they contenders to make the playoffs in the West? Tricky team to evaluate. Because, I mean, we saw them in the bubble. They went 8-0 and and missed the playoffs. But it, no one really knows if that was just a product of the bubble. Maybe they just got hot at the right time. But I feel like um, Chris Paul uh, and Devin Booker, that's, that's going to be a great backcourt. Back and Chris Paul is going to be a great kind of mentor and everything guy for that locker room. The Suns have made a lot of good moves. I could see the sixth through eighth, eighth seed in the West maybe, probably seven or eight. They're probably – I won't say they're contenders yet <laughs> – but I could definitely see them in the playoffs. 
I I hope I hope you're correct. I think they could be this year's version. Ironically, this makes sense since they did just trade for Chris Paul, but they could be this year's version of the Thunder. Where I think they could even get a little bit higher. I don't know that would work out in the playoffs, but I'm really excited. I love Devin Booker. I love Chris Paul. I can't complain. A little bit earlier when we started talking about these trades, you brought up Schroeder. You brought up the fact that he almost won six man of the year. Let's move over to free agency where one of the top free agents was the reigning sixth man of the year in Montrez Harrell. He flipped from one team in LA to the other. He's now a Laker. The rich keep on getting richer with the fact that they also picked up Marcus Saul. Did the Lakers already win free agency, assuming that they bring back Anthony Davis? I don't think that's really a question mark, but you know, until it's official, anything can technically happen. But are the Lakers the winner of free agency with the fact that they have really just dominated the market so far? And what's your opinion on both the Montrez and Marcus All signings, um, of course? The Lakers are definitely a winner of free agency. Um, Anthony Davis is going to resign. But until he does, I don't want to say they're the winner with the like. If he were to leave, which I don't see happening whatsoever, but if he were to, then no matter who they get, they're a loser of free agency. Losing someone like Anthony Davis, that would be rough. But I really like the Montrez signing. I don't know if they'll start him or pull him off the bench, uh, like he was more used in, I guess, the other side of LA (laughs) on the Clippers, but. The Montrez signing is definitely uh, an interesting addition to the Lakers. I don't know if he – I mean, they obviously just won the title. I don't know if he necessarily moves the needle from title favorites to just hand them the like championship already. Same thing with Marcus Saul. I like the signing. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily – I mean, he's not the Marcus Saul from his Memphis days, obviously, or anything like that. But he's definitely still a solid pickup. He's a seems like a great locker room guy and everything. And he'll he'll definitely help uh the Lakers, but I don't know if it's an absolutely groundbreaking signing like I've seen some people act like on Twitter. I agree. I think this is where the media is overhyping that the rich got richer. I mean they did get better. Like, there's no doubt about it. They, especially with the Schroeder, if you put in that the Schroeder trade along with these two signings, like, they took two of the be- best bench pieces, especially one from another team that could and should compete in the West in the Los Angeles Lakers, or Los Angeles Clippers, excuse me, and came to the Lakers. They didn't need to do much besides re-sign Anthony Davis. And assuming they do that, I, I think it's a great offseason. It's a W for the Lakers. But I I don't get why we're acting like they have the super team of the 2020s, where, in fact, Marcus Gasol is kind of older. Um, I think he was a liability at time for the Raptors this year. Montrezl Harrell was a liability in the playoffs. Granted, I don't expect them to have any issues and really that translate over. Um, Dennis Schroeder, you know, he's never been some star player that people are making it seem like. But I have to say, I do think the Lakers are the winners of free agency, of course, pending the signing of Anthony Davis. I mean, I just don't see him going anywhere else. We would be hearing about at least some meetings going on with other teams if that was a possibility. 
Um, but one thing we we did see, the I guess the major guy that has changed teams so far, shockingly, Gordon Hayward. I was surprised when he opted out of his contract. I figured he was going to take less money and go to the Pacers. And the Hornets signed Nicholas Batum 2.0 with the fact that they brought in Hayward. Why? Why did this happen? And why did Gordon Hayward not just opt in and say, I want to be traded? Granted, he did get his money. Okay. I really liked the Gordon Hayward signing for the Celtics a few years ago when they got him. Then what? His very first game there. He just has a horrible ankle break. And it was just downhill from there. But he's since then, he's been injury prone. He hasn't been the same player he was in Utah. He opts out. I'm thinking, okay, why would you do that? Like, that's like, I think he opted out of what, like 30 million or something? I don't see. He opted out of just over 30 million. I believe it was like 30. I saw him opt out and I'm like, okay, is it going to be like a. Anna maybe or something but no then Michael Jordan comes along throws Gordon Hayward a bag like he did for Nicholas Batum what four summers ago <laughs> it, like yep. exactly what you said it's Nicholas Batum 2.0 um, I don't even I don't know what to say about it he's like he's what is he 30 already I I think he is he's I would say due to his injuries, he's out of his prime at this point. The man has made 240-something million dollars based off one contract season where he made the All-Star game in Utah. It's just, it's shocking. It was great. It's honestly shocking. Nah, this great, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he was right there flirting with the All-Star team for one year, and then the next year in his contract year, he made the all-star team. And granted, I think his career would be very different if he didn't get injured in the first game against the Celtics. But that's with the Celtics, excuse me. But that's what happened. I don't understand the signing, but I won't ever bash Michael Jordan as a player, but he is one terrible general manager. No, I, just, another I, just, I don't go ahead. I go even, ahead. other than Kimball Walker draft. I don't, I don't think I like a single move that Michael Jordan has done while he's been the owner of that team. <laughs> this could be a whole podcast right here, just diving into Michael Jordan running the whole franchise there in Charlotte. LaMelo Ball might end up just being the next best thing he's done. <laughs> but we, we, we will have to dive into this another time. And to move on to Houston, Houston, just a few podcasts ago, maybe it it was my most recent podcast, I believe, but they had some major issues. I think they did the best they could in this free agency. You know, one thing they talked, I talked about was PJ Tucker being very pissed, honestly, about what he had to do and the money he was getting for it. I think they made his role into what he's getting paid. So very much they're taking away from his role by adding Christian Wood and adding Jamarcus Cousins as of today um, and shrinking his role so they can be like, you're getting paid to do exactly what you're doing. Don't complain. But what is your opinions on the Christian Wood signing and Jamarcus Cousins signing? How does it help or change the future with Russell Westbrook and James Harden um, at all? 
I feel like Christian Wood, I wouldn't say he was kind of a under the radar player in this free agency, but he's he definitely didn't get the respect, I feel like, from a lot of NBA fans because he, he did have a really good season in Detroit. And I like the Christian Wood signing for Detroit or for uh, Houston. But with both Russell Westbrook and James Harden wanting out, and they need to, I would say, they don't have to trade them right now. Like, they're under contract. They they can sit and wait for the best offer. Um, but I don't really understand the DeMarcus Cousins signing then. Like, that to me, the DeMarcus Cousins signing says, hey, we're not trading these guys. We're playoff run here. Um, you know, I think you're right. I I don't know how I feel about the DeMarcus Cousins signing. Um, but I, I don't blame Houston. Houston's been in win-now mode for a long time. I just don't think this team tanks, which I'm not against. I know at times it makes sense to tank and rebuild, but this team does not want to do that. And I respect that. So I can't hate either of these signings. I'm surprised they signed both of them at this point in time, but I can't hate what the Rockets are doing here, I guess. I'll be interested to see how it works out. I assume that there could be trades that still happen with the Rockets if it doesn't work out. So I'll be, I'm just very curious what they do from here. And I guess to transition to another team that I'm very curious about, Atlanta. They made lots and lots of moves highlighted by signing Gallinari. What is your opinion on what Atlanta well, they've, they've, this season? They've added some good players, but with Gallinari and um, or signing Gallinari, I, and he's not a three. Gallinari cannot, or he, I mean, he could, but I think it was like the percent of his um, minutes this past season came while playing the four. And with the Atlanta Hawks already having uh, John Collins at the four on this roster. And you just, you don't sign Gallinari to come off the bench. To me, I feel like they're, they might trade John Collins, which I feel like is, I was really looking forward to him and Trey Young over the years growing, throwing lobs and everything. But you you don't pay Gallinari that much money to come off the bench and you don't tell John Collins to come off the bench. I, I agree. And so do you – obviously it looks like they're leaning to trade John Collins at this point. But do you think that's a good idea? Do you think they're trying to be in win-now mode a little bit too much with the fact of that? Because Collins is a future player, I feel like, even though I feel like also at the same time he's kind of already capping out. Like I think people expected him to take progressions. Like he didn't really take this year. And is that what we're seeing Atlanta react to? Like – do you think Atlanta's making a smart move or a dumb move, I guess, with the fact that it does look like Collins might be... I, I don't think season. getting rid of John Collins is a bad decision. Um, I, I mean, he's... Right? I don't think he's going to be a great player or like a top... But I could see him making an all-star game or two. Only, or in my opinion, the only reason he's going for it right now is because Trey, Trey Young's on his rookie contract. When your best player on your team's on your rookie contract, 
that's the time to build around them. Don't wait until they're 25 on a super max extension. Build around them when they're still on that younger rookie contract, making barely any money NBA-wise or for NBA star-wise. So I like it, but they haven't done enough to make, make them title contender. They go from their current to championship contenders or even to get to like the Eastern Conference Finals. I get that. I think they have to be banking on a up season, a good season from someone that they can then trade next season, make next season that year that where they really go for it. Or next season's free agency class is insane. So it could be something to convince a player to come play in Atlanta. But I am confused a little bit with what Atlanta is doing. But I do think they make good moves. I don't blame them from what they've done, in my opinions. And they're the biggest winner of free agency in the East for sure, maybe altogether, just because I do think they didn't overpay for anyone or anything. But I don't know that obviously they're not like the Lakers where they're going to be contending for a championship next year. The last pickup I want to talk about is Serge Ibaka. He ended up on the Clippers. Good signing, bad signing for the Clippers. I think Serge Ibaka got the money he expected, the time he expected. But I don't know if the Clippers made the right decision here. What is your opinion on what the Clippers did? Uh, I like the signing of Serge. Losing Montrez, they needed to sign someone at that power forward slash center position. And I think Serge is a better fit for them. Um, He obviously has a lot more experience in the league, which is helpful because they seem to have a lot of turmoil (laughs) in that locker room at the end of the season. And But with Serge's on-court presence, um, he can obviously extend the floor more on offense than uh, Montrez could. And he's, I mean, they're both good defensive players, but I feel like Mon- or Serge's addition on the offensive end is a big plus for the Clippers. And with Kawhi and Paul George uh, potentially being able to leave within the next year or two, and they completely mortgaged their future to get Paul George. They have to retool and gun for this championship. Otherwise, I think they're losing both Kawhi and Paul George. That's so crazy to think about compared to how everyone felt a year ago, but it's really, really right. You're completely correct. And I I like the signing, but I think just like, it's very similar to how I feel about Marcus Saul and the Lakers. I just don't know. I think they're going to have another season where they regress, and I'm not sure it's going to really matter that much. It might be a signing they kind of regret, but I understand it right now. And so to end off each podcast, though, I do like to do a team or a player of the week. It could be NBA-related with how the post, with how the offseason went, excuse me, or it could be another sport. And I'm just curious, who is your team or your player of the week um, and why? Honestly, I would say the Houston Rockets, not because of anything that they've done. I just, I love the NBA drama, seeing all these reports come out of uh, does James Harden or James Harden trying to get to Brooklyn? Uh, Russell Westbrook going on his Instagram story and screwing a water bottle cap off. And does that mean no cap or does that mean cap to the reports? 
I love stuff like this. So then seeing this all come out of Houston, it's it's perfect. That is by far my team of the week. <laughs> they definitely had one of the more interesting weeks for sure. I have to go away from basketball for my player or team of the week. I'm also doing a team of the week. And recently, I released a podcast where I told Steelers fans to cool it. The St. Louis, the Pittsburgh Steelers are my team of the week. Granted, I still don't think they will win the Super Bowl. I don't think they'll come out of the AFC. I'm still predicting the Chiefs. But they have gained my respect. They have actually played better in the areas where I was worried about them than I expected. Chase Claypool looks more like a wide receiver one than he did before because when I brought out my podcast about the Steelers, it was very much his hype was on a game or two, but he's been really consistent. In 10 games, he does have 10 touchdowns. He's starting to look like a wide receiver number one, kind of, that we were expecting Juju to be, but he wasn't. The defense, of course, is great. One of the best in the league, if not the best. I'm not going to go into that because I'm really conflicted on how I feel about them defensively being the best in the league. But this team is good. This team is going to compete in every single game. I actually do kind of expect them to end up 16-0. I expect them to be in the AFC Championship. And I expect them to have one hell of a game against Kansas City. So I went in on them just a few weeks ago. And I'm not changing my stance on the Steelers, but I do have to say they have gained a little bit of respect for me. So I'm picking Pittsburgh as my team of the week. But – Cooper, I just want to say thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you. And let's hope that your Chicago Bulls do a little bit better this season. Thanks for having me. It's always fun coming on. And hopefully this Patrick Williams pick doesn't come back and bite us the way just about every pick since MJ and Scottie Pippen and D. Rose has. So, Uh, we will see what happens. Of course, thank you to all the listeners. You've been listening.